Um, my name is, is Brian Coons, as, as Mike said. I'm an elder here. And for those that, that don't know, um, that was Kathleen, my wife, on the video there. I like to identify with her. She makes me look good. So, um, But uh, that, the whole every child thing that um, the church has been actively involved in for a month at this point, um, really that was a huge culmination of things, and uh, you guys played a critical role in that that was... Um, was awesome to see. It was awesome to be able to be a part of that. And uh, I think it's going to really make a difference. It's really going to accomplish something there. So um, a, f- a few weeks ago, uh, maybe about a month ago, Mike and Aaron approached me about uh, sharing this morning and asked me if I would be willing. And I said, well, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> and they said, well, we're, gonna, um, we're in Ephesians. Uh, we were already in Ephesians at the time, and they gave me the passage of Scripture. This would be where we will be at on that date. So take this home um, and start preparing. You know, pray about this, study this. And um, before we dive into it, I just really want to um, emphasize to you guys um, the benefit that I received from the last four weeks, roughly, of um, study of these verses, of uh, meditation on them, prayer about them, journaling about them. Um, I'm the one that gets this huge benefit out of it. You know, I'm supposed to come here, and uh, some people have the idea they'll come on Sunday morning, and whoever comes up here and speaks is going to benefit you. Well, I'm the one that, that got the big, um, big benefit. And I, and I say that all before we get started on this passage to say that that's how it should be for you each week. It should be that way for me. Don't come here on Sunday morning and have never been in the Word all week. Be in the Word through the week. Come here and be in the Word together on Sunday and reap the benefit of that. Um, you'll see kind of as we go through this passage, probably when we get to the end, you'll be saying, well, he kind of simplified that and said the same thing over and over. And yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's probably what's about to happen and what you'll be thinking when you leave um, with things. But I just I can't stress how critical this book is. This is the word of God. The one song we sang at the beginning that, um, where it talks about he's the uncreated one. He, he created the whole universe. He never began. And he wrote this for you and for me. And we just leave it on the shelf and don't, don't pay any attention to it. So... Um, let's not do that. Let's, uh, let's change that reality. Um, so the, uh, the talk this morning, um, I entitled it uh, Contrasting Realities and um, then A Call to Action because that's exactly what this passage is. Um, it's uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 24, and Paul is contrasting these two um, lifestyles, or two, um, the old self and the new self is some of the terminology that's in there. Um, and, uh, and he also, in the latter verses, gives a call to action. So I put that in there as an add to, and that call to action is for us believers, followers of Christ, things um, that we can and ought to be doing in our life, these spiritual disciplines, um, this sanctification process. Um, Kind of the, the overview of, seven, like I said, it's um, Ephesians four seventeen through 24. Um, and we could just go ahead, and what I'd like to do is I'm going to read through that, and then we'll, we'll dive right in and kind of break it down verse by verse. Um, so chapter 4, starting in verse 17, Paul says this, 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that, those, this chunk of verses is kind of broke into three distinct categories. Um, there is verses 17 through 19 where we have um, Paul describing the old self. And he uses the term Gentile. Um, here to describe that old self. He's not referring to a nationality necessarily in this passage, but the, um, the word Gentile is describing an unrepentant person, someone who is not a Christ follower. Um, and he gives us a, <clears throat> a description of what that looks like and a description of the bondage that accompanies this life. Um, Oftentimes within the church, I know I'm this way, and I think you're probably the same way. Um, we're really surprised at how non-believers look or how the, the world looks, the, um, the depravity maybe with things. We're, we're shocked by it. And, and yet here it is in Scripture, Paul, uh, for, well, sorry about that, for, forewarning us and telling us about it. So we shouldn't be surprised about that. It, it should come as no surprise to us when we see that. Um, then in verses 20 through, 22 through 24, rather, Paul describes the new self and what that looks like. Um, and so in that same vein, we should expect followers of Christ to look a certain way um, and to have certain attributes and qualities. Um, and if we don't, then we should be surprised by that. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it cuts both ways um, there. And then sandwiched right in the middle there are verses 20 and 21. Uh, these fall between these two distinct people groups, and these verses serve as a transition from one to the other, from the old to the new, um, and they reveal the key to this transition, the, the um, cornerstone to that, which is, uh, which is Jesus, and we will look into that. Um, so starting out, the old self, um, this is verses 17 through 19. I just kind of want to go through a verse at a time and break that down, and we'll talk about that. Um, starting right out, it says in verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord, this is Paul, this I say, that's Paul. He has some uh, weight and credence to what he says, especially at Ephesus. He um, you know, is instrumental in founding that church. Um, he's an apostle, so this, this carries weight. But beyond that, it says, this I say and testify in the Lord, there's more weight. This is not just Paul saying what he's about to say. Um, he's testifying in the Lord. This gives more credence to what is to come. 
it should cause us to um, sit up and pay attention, so to speak, with things that, um, wow, this is important. I might want to listen to this. Um, And then it says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of your minds. Um, If you look up, um, which I did, (laughs) the word um, futile, Paul uses to describe the Gentiles, Futile, the description says, incapable of producing any useful result, pointless. And it lists some synonyms that go with uh, futile, such as fruitless, vain, useless, ineffectual, and ineffective. Um, I'm sure you're like me and that you do not want to have that attribute. You don't want that to be said of you. That's not a, um, something that I strive for. Um, And Paul, in these latter verses, is going to give us um, some antidotes to um, how to avoid being futile. But I want to flip over to 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, and see what uh, Simon Peter has to say about this, too. Um, I'll read that. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's some clear instruction from Peter on how to avoid this um, being ineffective or unfruitful or being futile with things. Um, he gives a lot, of, a lot of different things he lists off of there to add virtue to our faith, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. He, he, that's kind of the capstone of it. He finishes off with that. And um, I don't think that's by accident that... Um, is that, that a little better? It's not by accident that he finishes off with love, um, with things I think that is a key thing that um, we need to take note of. And it's something that, um, that it's, it's a culmination. And love is something in our, in our heart, but it's, it's also an action. Um, our, our love that's just in our heart without action is not really realized. It doesn't come to fruition um, with things so that um, that condition of the heart though where it starts and if we go into verse 18 um, in this, Paul continues to describe um, the unrepentant Gentile there and he says they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart again we're, we're at a heart issue it's a hard issue for the believer it's a hard issue for the unbeliever um, with things, it's the same for both. Um, <clears throat> in verse 18, Paul lists three main characteristics of the unrepentant person. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from God, and ignorant. Um, we see that um, sometimes in our own lives, but certainly um, all around us with things. We see this um, Darkened in understanding, and it's large, largely in part due to what we were talking about at the start. This this word that God has given us 
Um, the world does not recognize that. They do not have that. They do not um, read this and apply it to their life. They don't have that understanding that comes from God's word and from his spirit. Um, they're alienated from God. They're far off from God by choice. They choose to distance themselves from God. They are resistant. The song um, that we sang where it talked about um, the never-ending love of God and how he leaves the 99 and pursues us is, is so fitting for this um, because that is so true, yet you have a world full of people resisting God and fleeing from him as he is pursuing them. Um, it's, and it's so obvious to see for us, but um, the world is darkened in their understanding and ignorant of this fact. They're ignorant of what's going on and what's happening in their life and the destruction that is, is being um, carried out in their life. Um, but at the end of verse 18, it kind of ties back into where we were talking in Second Peter where the condition of the heart, um, that's what, what Paul says um, about the unbeliever. It says it is due to the hardness of their heart. Um, all of these, these negative attributes are due to that. Um, Proverbs 4.23, um, a scripture that talks about the heart. Um, and uh, what it says there, um, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. So we're instructed, um, or we, we see Paul telling us that the, uh, the negative things in the unbeliever are due to a hardness of their heart. And then we're instructed in Proverbs to guard our heart with all vigilance. Um, so that this is an important thing and an action that we have to take. And you think, well, okay, how do I guard my heart? How am I vigilant about my heart? In that same passage in um, Proverbs 4, if we, there's not a slide for this, but I'll just back up and, and read this, the, the verses right before that, uh, Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20, it says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh." Keep your heart with vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So again, we, we find ourselves back at that same place where to guard our hearts, he says, my son, be attentive to my words. This, this is his words. These are his words that he has written for us. We need to be attentive to those. Um, incline your ear to my sayings. These are God's sayings. We have to incline. We have to hear these, know these, and obey these. That is how we guard our heart. Um, it, it, it's not a process that just happens because we hope that it happens. Um, it takes action on our part, and, and that starts with this, uh, with this book right here. It's a key to that thing. Um, you know, and, I, and I know uh, that sometimes it seems oversimplified or unpopular or takes effort, but it's, it's the truth with things. I've seen it time and again in my life with things and I know that um, when, you're, when you're honest you see it in yours also um, so verse 19 um, back in um, <clears throat> sorry there didn't switch back back in Ephesians 4 verse 19 it says uh, they have become callous 
and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Um, so in 19, we, we read here about the continued destruction that sin brings in an unrepentant life. Um, in the ESV, it says they've become callous. The King James Version says, who being past feeling. Um, so that's kind of the description of calloused or being past feeling with things. Um, Paul is, is letting us know about the reality of continued sin uh, and how it makes us numb to the truth of Jesus Christ. Um, also in scripture, we see oftentimes um, uh, stories of, of leprosy, the disease of leprosy. And um, I don't pretend to be knowledgeable about that. I'm not a doctor. It's a disease that um, we don't see a lot here in America or in Florence, um, like maybe they did in, in biblical times or in other parts of the world. But what little bit I do know about it, um, I have been told that oftentimes um, it is something like that too, that there's nerve damage possibly, or I don't know how the process works, but there is this numbing, this um, becoming callous, being beyond feeling. And so someone might, who is suffering from uh, that affliction of leprosy, have a, an injury in an extremity like a hand or a foot, and then they... Um, receive that injury, but they are calloused. They're beyond feeling, and they don't even know that 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 injury is there. And so then all sorts of complications come from that that could ultimately lead um, to their demise. And it's that same way with sin. When we are um, continue in it, we become calloused to it. We don't. We're beyond feeling, and we don't even feel the world out there too. They're, they're not even feeling or seeing. They're ignorant of the destruction that it's causing and that is taking place in their life. Um, in this passage too, um, this verse, I should say in verse 19, the Greek there kind of um, gives this implication. Um, it implies um, someone handed over to the power of another, betrayed or captured and this is how sin works. This is where it takes us to. It takes us to a place of betrayal and captivity. Um, and it does it unbeknownst to us because we are beyond feeling. And so we don't even see it or realize it or know it's happening. Um, and so that, that fact, let's keep in mind the fact that um, sin equals captivity and it equals this bondage. As we look at verses 20 and 21 which are the transition to uh, the new self and the truth that is in Jesus um, is what we're going to see here is the key to that transition. Um, without that truth, there is no transition from what we've just read about in these three verses, the unrepentant person to the new life, the old life to the new life. It all hinges on that truth that is in Jesus. Um, there, there is no other way. <laughs> um, so in verse, uh, verse 20, as we begin this kind of transition to the new self, Paul writes, but this is not the way that you learned Christ. Um, Paul's um, track record with Ephesus is that he was uh, the one who, he spent years there in Ephesus founding this church, um, teaching, um, living there um, in relationship with these people. Um, 
So when he says this is not the way you learned Christ, he knows how they learned Christ. He is aware of that. He is not ignorant of that. So he can say that. That's uh, an accurate statement of him. I think of kind of an analogy of uh, a parent and a child. And that's the relationship maybe Paul had with this church at Ephesus. Um, And parents, you know this, like uh, kids, especially as they become maybe... uh, Teenage are older and beyond, and you have um, taught them, as Paul taught the church here in Ephesus, uh, you have taught and instructed them, but you see them doing um, things that you would not choose for them to do, and you know the destruction that that's going to bring, um, and the sadness that that might bring in your heart, um, and the concern in your mind that you would have for them. I think that's the same way that Paul felt about Ephesus and what he was experiencing here was that kind of parent-child relationship. Um, and, and he knows the way that they learned Christ. And then in verse 21, uh, it says, Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him. Paul makes us an assumption here, an assumption here. And this assumption is in regards to what he is about to say in the following verses. Um, these following verses give uh, instructions as to what the new life should look like and some key things, some key steps that um, the repentant person should be doing. Um, and he, he, he makes the, this assumption, too, knowing that um, where he said it right before that in verse 21, assuming that you have heard that these things don't apply, what he's about to say, this description does not apply to the person who has not heard, who is not repentant. Um, so, and then the, the key um, to this transition right here lies in, in verse 22 at the, or um, excuse me, rather verse 21, right at the end, and it's set off by commas, and it says, as the truth is in Jesus at the end. This is where we move from the old to the new. It is that truth that's in Jesus. It's the critical part um, the other uh, song that we um, <clears throat> sang during worship, the last one there, Here's My Heart, it, it talks about um, in addition to that heart and the, um, God going to the cross, that is the truth that is in Jesus. This, this truth that's in Jesus is um, his death and resurrection, and that is the key to our transition to new self. Without that, that transition cannot, will not, does not happen. Um, so bearing that in mind, we move into the new self, um, which is verses 22 through 24. Um, and Paul gives us some instruction, like uh, what I entitled it, three action steps that we are to take as believers um, in uh, our new life and in our life of, of looking more like Christ. Um, the first one, it says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your fam- former life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Um, that's, that's an action that, that Christ pays a huge part in. Um, and Romans 6, 5 through 6 also speaks to that. It says this, um, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 
So putting off that old self is Christ has done the heavy lifting in that. When he went to the cross for us, he has done the work to put to death that old self as it talks in Romans 6 when we identify with him and his crucifixion. That um, action of putting off the old self, this first action step of three that we're going to look at, can only happen when we hear of Jesus, accept the truth about who he is and what he has done, and we have to identify with his death on the cross, which brings about the forgiveness of our sin and the death of our old self. Um, Then we go forward in the process of sanctification and these other action steps, the the other two that we're going to look at. But the foundation of all of this uh, is Christ and the cross, and without that we remain in slavery to our old self. Um, You know, this in uh, verse 22, where it talked about um, the former manner of life and its corruption, um, when I looked deeper into that verse, um, it, it gave this idea, uh, carried an idea that corruption did of an idea of rotting or rust. And I know around here, especially, um, I'm constantly, you, we're constantly dealing with rust, stuff rotting. I mean, stuff that you would never think would rot, rots here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. You know, I have uh, things... Uh, I like to ride motorcycles, and I have parts that I'll powder coat, and they even rust with things. Uh, it's, it's crazy. But, and especially what we notice, we, if we're not vigilant, if I'm not vigilant about maintaining those things, um, just because I take the time once to powder coat something, and then I leave it and come back 10 years later and look at it, it's, it's going to be rust. There's going to be corruption there with things. And it's that same thing in our life. Christ has done the work on the cross for us, but it takes vigilance on our part to not allow um, ourselves to find ourselves back in places of compromise and rust and corruption in our life. Um, and that was just an interesting part when you looked into the Greek and I was reading about it that it carried that idea of rotting or rusting I can identify with that, that rusting part. Um, Verse 23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So this is our second action step, um, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Um, Romans 8, 5 um, speaks to this also. And uh, that scripture there, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their mind on the things of the Spirit. So how, how do we... Um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I lost my place there. Um, on 23, how do we um, renew in the spirit of our minds? Um, how do we set our minds, as it speak of, spoke of in Romans, on things of the Spirit? Um, I like to think of thought when we're thinking of our mind that thought comes before action, or at least it should. Um, Sometimes it doesn't, um, but often that would be good if it did. Um, And so this this basis of how we set our thought right or set our thought correct comes back to what I've already said several times here, comes back to this spiritual disciplines like reading God's word 
and then praying about it, meditating on it, contemplating what it said, and then out of that comes this action. It, it, um, it is key. The spiritual discipline is key to it. And then in Romans 8, 5, where it talks about um, living according to the Spirit and setting our minds on things of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, a, um, is more than able, but when we do these things, these spiritual disciplines like reading and prayer and time and meditation, it, um, it, uh, we open the door or allow him, we yield our will to allow him to transform our minds. Um, it's, a, it's a simple yet complex process that happens, and it's amazing, and it, and it just doesn't happen without that process. Um, verse 24, um, it says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Um, this is our, our third action step, um, to put on the new self. Um, and again, like I said, you're at the beginning, you're going to say, wow, you said the same thing over and over. How do we put on that new self? We put off that new, put on that new self, um, with spiritual disciplines like reading, praying, Meditating on God's word, um, the, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak and work in our lives, being devoted to each other, being here this morning. That is a spiritual discipline that we practice that, that helps us put on the new self. Um, if, and at the end of 24, it talks about, um, it says, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. If we don't read and study his word, how do we even know what Christ looked like? How, what, what, his likeness means nothing to us. We wouldn't know if we are like him or if we are not like him. Um, so it, it begins in there, this, this sanctification. It begins with God's word and time in it and the discipline of that in going forward. Um, so these are simple yet profound action selves to, um, to, to do these things, these three main actions that we talked about to put off our old self and the role that Christ plays in that on the cross and how he did that work for us um, and that we have to receive that in, through repentance and then we're renewed in the spirit of our minds and put on the new self and we do all of that through these spiritual disciplines that key off of time in his word and then praying and meditating on it and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us about that um, and those are the things that will transform our life that, you know, that will keep us, if we go back to the very beginning in verse 17, where um, Paul was talking about the, um, the unrepentant Gentile, and he used the word futile to describe them. Um, this is, these things, these disciplines will keep us from being futile. These are the secrets to that, and it's, and it's not a secret, but... For some reason, I, I don't engage in it a lot of time. I don't, I don't know. I'm thick-headed when it comes to that. But, but that, is, that is a key. And uh, as we kind of wrap things up, those that, after reading that verse 24, there's, there's um, a couple of thoughts I want to leave you with this week. And there's, there is a lie out there that I want to say to you and, and have you consider this and ponder this. And this lie says, um, what you do determines who you are. So, so listen to that. What you do determines who you are. I would say that that is a lie, and I would like to replace that with this statement, which I believe to be true based on God's word. In this statement, the truth says this, 
Who you are determines what you do. So listen to that. Who you are determines what you do. The repentant, forgiven person puts off the old self, renews their mind, and puts on the new self because of who they are in Christ Jesus. And that is you in Christ Jesus because of who you are this week, this month, in these coming years. Do those things is what I want to encourage you and spur you on to. Um, And it will be exciting to see what God will do uh, as a result of those things. Um, Let's go ahead and pray, if we could, at this point. Lord, thank you for your word, God. And thank you that um, you are faithful and that you have done the heavy lifting. You have done the work on the cross for us, Lord, and uh, provided a way for us to um, move from the old self to the new. Lord, I pray as we do that, God, we would then move into a process of sanctification with you, Lord, and that we, you would um, help us, uh, move us along in that process um, of practicing a spiritual discipline, of being in your word, of reading, of praying, of contemplating about it, and applying it to our life and producing action, Lord, I pray. I thank you for that. In your name, amen. We're going to um, move into a time of communion here. Um, and this, um, this sacrament of, of communion, um, just in the same way that we talked about um, Possibly the word, and we can become complacent about it sometimes. I, I do. I come, become complacent about the word um, and don't put the proper emphasis on it that it should hold a proper place in my life. I think sometimes we can do that with the sacrament of communion, and so I want to guard and warn against that. Um, what we're going to do here in a minute is they're going to pass the trays. Um, and we're going to take the elements. There is the cracker or the bread, and there is the, the cup with the juice in that, the bread representing his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. Guys, this is not, um, this is not a trivial matter with things. Uh, I can't overstress that, um, that he bled for you and for me and that his body was broken. And we are doing this in remembrance of that because um, lest we forget, that would be a terrible thing. Um, So I'm going to pray in just a minute. They're going to come serve. You can go ahead and take the elements, um, hold them, um, take them during the next song when you feel ready to take those, and then we'll continue in worship. Lord, Lord, thank you for... um, your body that was broke for us, Lord. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us, Lord. We remember that now through this act of communion, God. And we are in such debt to you and so grateful, Lord, for what you did on the cross for us, Lord. Amen.